Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. This week, I want to talk to you about how you can get your groceries delivered through Instacart. Download the app or visit instacart.com and find your favorite retailers. Search and add items to your cart, and when you're ready to check out, select a delivery time that works for you. Then, a personal shopper will gather your items in the store with care, just as you would. And now, with contactless delivery, your order will be safely left on your doorstep. So, in just a few taps, you can get everything you need delivered right to your front door. If you use the link in this episode's description to sign up, you can get a free delivery off your first order of $35 or more. Ends May 9th, 2021, while supplies last minimum order of $35 required. Terms apply. Hey. Hey, what's up? Oh, nothing. Just ate my body weight in goldfish is all. That sounds fantastic. It, yeah, it was. I it mean, was, was do, you feel, do you feel like... You're turning orange a like little bit. Poopy? No, I. A poopy. <laughs> no, I feel good. <laughs> I love goldfish. They weren't the flavor blasted ones though. So no, what because are you doing? they're they're classic. Gotta classic. Go. I got. I treated myself to that big like carton gold goldfish thing at the grocery store the it's other day. Humongous. Massive. Yeah, but yeah. you know you got to do it. Got to do. <laughs> anyway, um, hey guys, <laughs> uh, I I realized as I was editing last week's episode that we accidentally did two stories about Thailand and we monsoon did. season in two weeks. And I I was like, shit, because we, we try to kind of vary them a little bit and it, it doesn't really matter. Whatever. Thailand's a dope country. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, they're both good stories. I just like realized too, a little too late and I was like, ah, shit, but yeah. it's fine. We had a Sweden obsession. Now we have a now Thailand we, Yeah, obsession. apparently. So what will be next? Well, yeah, because what happened was we, we... Went on a little, a little safe, safe COVID safe vacation with Alex's family to Florida. So we pre-recorded two episodes, and I I noticed too late, but it doesn't really matter. It's fine. Yeah. But anyway, you why know. don't we why don't we jump into this week's story? Let's jump in. This one's pretty rough. I mean, as most of them are, it's just like a little extra sad that because I feel like I can really put myself there. It's not like. It's not like, oh, I was on a, a small eight-mile run and I fell down a canyon and shattered my pelvis. It's like, oh, no, this is a very easy one to put yourself in. So it's yeah a little a little spooky. And then, like, after shattering your pelvis, do sit-ups for three days straight right. without sleep and your dog saves you. Yeah, your dog saves the day. Yeah. Right. No, it's not quite that. But, you know, it is still an incredible survival story. And, you know, you know we're going to talk about it. So Is it crazy? Is this a crazy story? <laughs> Could you tell that I was trying to refrain from saying crazy? Because yes. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying my best here. You're doing here. a great job. Thank you. But I had to poke a little bit. No poke away, I guess. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's what we're here for. So why don't we just jump in? I'm going to be talking about Brandy Hicks and Elizabeth or Liz Riser today. And most of the information that I got was from Dead Silent, um, which is a like a reenactment style TV show. Um, it's season two, episode three, for anyone who's interested in watching it. And also there's an I Survived episode that is on YouTube that you can find. It's like one of the few I Survived episodes on YouTube. So yeah, let's just jump on in. This story takes place on May 23rd, 2000 in New Philadelphia, Ohio, in Tuscarawas, 
County. And you bet your sweet ass I wrote that out phonetically because <laughs> that really it was it because it like looks crazy when I was trying to sound it out. Um, I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what I should look like, well, just, I don't know. I can't, what am I going to spell it out? <laughs> I don't know. Just say what your first pronunciation. Well, now was. I know what it, now oh, I know what it is. So I, it. Yeah. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. I just wrote it out phonetically because haha. Anyway, so this so is, we have an Ohio city trying to be like Philadelphia, West Philadelphia. Born and raised <laughs> on the, yeah, no, not quite. It's Ohio. It's Eastern Ohio and it is mainly farmland. So it's got a very small town, tight-knit community feel to it. Nothing, you know, really bad happened there. Everyone's pretty friendly, and it's just one of those places. You know what I'm talking about? It's just, yeah. you don't suspect we get it. it. Yeah, we get it. We're all smart. So Liz, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> My Uber's here. <laughs> anyway, Liz Riser is a bubbly high school junior. She is 17 years old, living at home with her parents and her three younger brothers. She was a very good student, very responsible, and she and her mother were really close and enjoyed scrapbooking together. Um, her family and most of her friends were very active in their church. So this is just, you know, a very good girl. And you know, so were her friends. She, you know, she associated with good people and they all were good people. So that night, Liz's best friend Brandy had invited Liz to attend her, her choir banquet at the Buckeye Career Center and then have a sleepover afterward. And it was a Tuesday and a school night, so typically Liz wouldn't have been allowed out, but, you know, the semester was wrapping up and it was only a few days before Brandy graduated from their high school. So because... Liz's chores were all done and she was on the honor roll that semester and all of her schoolwork was pretty much done for the year. Her mother and father decided to let her go out that night. This is such a wholesome situation. She's exactly. Like, you know, on the honor roll, her work is done. Yeah, Just her chores little, are done. Like her, her mom, chores are done. Her mom literally said, because her chores were done and she was on the honor roll, I decided. And I was like, oh my God, that's so sad. I know, right? Yeah. So this was also a very exciting time because Brandy had just gotten her first apartment with her two friends. She had moved out of her parents' house just a few weeks prior to this and was living with the pastor's daughter and her youth group leader. So this is just a very wholesome group of girls and, you know, friends. So, but it was just going to be Brandy and Liz hanging out. They were BFFs, as the kids say. Little girls night. Yeah, Exactly. Um, so Brandy picked up Liz from her house and immediately the girls were having a good time. Her mother or Liz's mother recalls immediately hearing giggling as soon as Brandy pulled up and they were just in such high spirits. So after this choir banquet and a brief stop at Brandy's mother's house, the two drove to their local Hollywood video store to rent some movies for the night. So it was at around 9.30 p.m., uh, you know, like I said, the girls are in high spirits and they're on their way to the video store and they're chatting about what movie they want to get. And so they get to the video store and they pick out a few movies. But as they were leaving the store, they were approached by Matthew Vaca. Matthew was a 27-year-old father of three. And that night he had a baseball cap kind of pulled down over his face a little bit with his black curly hair kind of sticking out of the back of it. When I initially heard that description, I was like, okay, so creepy. But then, Sus. Right. But then Brandy described him as just a nice, regular-looking guy, someone you'd see, like, just walking down the street, just like a normal dude. So clearly the alarm bells weren't really up at that point. 
but Matthew was under the influence of drugs and alcohol and definitely, as we will soon find out, unhinged. He told the girls that his car had broken down and he had been walking all day and wanted to get home before his kids went to bed. And at first, Brandy was like, I'm really sorry, but I'm almost out of gas and I just spent my last few dollars on this movie. And he was like, it's no big deal. I've got $20 to get you gas. And he's like, please, can you just drive me? I only live about a mile away. I'm by the elementary school. So, yeah, that's what they should have said. No. Right. But, you know, he's really pulling on their heartstrings a little bit. He's like, oh, I got to get home before my kids go to sleep. And I'm just a nice guy. Here, I'll pay you 20 bucks. And I live by the elementary school. Like, you don't think a bad guy lives by the elementary school. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's disarming. It is. Oh, you have children and a wife? Right. Oh. Bad guys don't have children and a wife, right? Yeah. Also, you've been walking all day and you can't walk one more mile piece of... Yeah, right. Uh, It just sucks because these were such good girls and they were so caring about, like, you know, other people and their community. And he really just took advantage of that, which... Yeah, he's playing on their good nature. Yeah. But the the thing is, is, if a grown man is asking... A, you a young girl for a ride home you don't owe him anything you like the answer should be no like he can figure something else out you know like grown men shouldn't be asking children for anything and even if you feel like you're being rude like your safety is way more important than being nice at any given moment at all <laughs> yeah. That, yeah it's I just, like you don't yeah you don't need a ride if you've been walking all day you have feet are you hurt no keep no. walking and you, you have twenty dollars call a taxi call a taxi call exactly uber. well i mean it was it was 2000 so no invent uber invent uber and then call it use the app exactly become a coder With invent your razor. uber <laughs> invent uber call one get home to your children without these girls yeah um, oh do you have a wife she can come pick oh, you up fantastic there should be a, a, a phone in the movie store why don't you call her up anyway <laughs> i just okay i know it's just yeah. like you know it sucks. Yeah. But I mean, I'm also, I want to make it very clear that I'm not blaming these girls by no, any means. No, absolutely not. They were such good people. And the fact that they cared enough to even do this is like, it says a lot about and them. Honestly, if I were them, I probably would have given him a ride. Yeah, that's... When that's, I was 18 and 17, I probably right, would have done it. Right. I mean, that's kind of why I said in the beginning, like, this one's extra scary for me, honestly, just because I feel like I can really put myself in their shoes because I grew up in a small town that nothing really happened in. I was a nice kid. I had, you know, I was with a good crowd of kids. Like, you know, I wasn't getting into like anything crazy. And I feel like if I was in that situation, I don't know if I would have said no. I mean, like, I feel like, like looking at it now, I feel like I would have been like, no, I wouldn't done that. But also listening to true crime for three years (laughs) right but also like i i can't say with confidence that i would have said no you know i don't know which is why it's so scary yeah and like why now it's so important to be like your safety is the most important thing 100 percent. yeah also i would have been totally disarmed by the fact that he has kids yes 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 but continue um and the girls had been taught by their parents and their church that helping others was the right thing to do. And being that they lived in this small town, they thought it was safe enough, so the girls agreed to give him what he said would just be a 10-minute ride down the road to his house. 
and you know when the when the ride first started Matthew tried talking to them about school and he told them that he had been taking classes too. He wanted to tell them things about himself that way their guards kind of came down a little bit because he's an evil man. But as the ride went on, things got more like increasingly more uncomfortable. And you know, they were trying to like, he, he was talking about how he's like troubled and whatever. And he was like, you should join our church. Like you should talk to our pastor. He's really great. Like, you know, they're just trying to help him still, even though he's making them so uncomfortable and it's just, it's terrible. Anyway, after about 15 minutes of driving, the girls start to realize that there are less and less houses as they continue on. And they were getting into a more secluded area. And you know, it's past 9.30 at this point, so it's definitely dark outside. And suddenly, out of nowhere, he, like, shocks Brandy when he's like, pull the car over, pull the car over. And so they're just in the middle of this dark street, but he's like, stop, 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 stop. And he, they pull over the car. So she does, and he gets out of the car, but he says, wait here, right before he shuts the door. And what? So, yeah. So... Speed away. Exactly. So now the girls are sitting there, and they're like maybe we should drive away like we've been sitting here for where we've been driving for a really long time like we have to be near his house at this point like he can just walk you know and so right before brandy is about to pull away the car he opens the door and it closes it and gets back in like he gets back in and closes the door no yeah five seconds yeah exactly fuck i know because you know they had a bad feeling and they were like maybe we should but then it was too late fuck this is like as close as the mary vincent story when she got done to tie her shoe right exactly oh, yeah that's <sighs> and so when he gets back in the car obviously tensions are high and the girls are really uncomfortable at this point but he's he's like oh i left this bag full of gifts for my children on the side of the road because it was too heavy to carry while i was on my walk and so i wanted to get it that way i can bring it home to my children mm -hmm. and at this point they're like okay, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I'm going to leave this duffel bag on the side of the road. Full of gifts for my children. <laughs> Here's this weird duffel bag what? that I hid in the woods off the road. What? Excuse me, sir, have you hit your head? So they start driving again. Because at this point, you can't ditch a guy who's already in your car, you know? So after about 20 minutes... Brandy asks him how much further he needs to go down the road because they've already been going way farther than he said he needed. And he's just like, just a few more minutes. And so she keeps driving. But finally, Brandy pulls the car over and tells the man that if it's not much further down the road, he can just get out and walk. Because at this point, you know, they're like, we need to get home for school. It's a school night. And they're just using that. They're using any like excuse they can muster to get out of the situation right in a non-confrontational way you know because they're still two young girls it's still a man and they're scared at this point but you know it doesn't work and that's when matthew says would it make a difference if i said i had a gun and he pulls out a gun and he points it at brandy so brandy and liz just kind of look at each other and liz is just nervously shaking i mean the two of them are just freaking out at this point also, it's important to note that these girls didn't have cell phones and they were about 15 miles away from the nearest town at this point and he's having them drive even further and further away. So they're just getting further from their town and like I said in the beginning, it's pretty much farmland and like, you know, woods and stuff. So this is not a good situation. No. Oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's, 
<laughs> petrified. Petrifying. It is. That's a good word for that. He asked them if they had any money, and Brandy told him that they didn't have any cash, like she said earlier. And that's when he told Brandy to start driving again, and he's telling her exactly where to turn. So they end up at the top of a hill, and that's where he has Brandy put the car in park, but he tells her to keep her hands on the steering wheel. And he had both girls take their shoelaces out of their shoes so that Liz could tie Brandy's hands to the steering wheel. And he made sure that it was very tight so that she wouldn't be able to move. Because at first I was like, okay, sweet. Liz is tying Brandy's hands. She can make it loose. Brandy can get away. She can get help. But no, he tightens it and Brandy can't move. That's when Matthew stepped out of the car. So Liz and Brandy were still in the front seat. And Liz turns to Brandy and, you know, they're both crying and she squeezes her hand and, you know, it's still tied to the steering wheel and she just tells her that she loves her. And Brandy says she loves her too and they both say that they were so sorry to each other for getting each other into this mess. And right after that, the man opened Liz's door and told her to get out of the car. So the last thing that Brandy said to Liz was, don't worry, I'm going to see you again. We're going to see each other again. Which... (sighs) It just hurts my heart so much because I can't even imagine being in a situation like that. It's just so sad. I mean, there's not much else to say, but that's when Brandy sees the man lead Liz to the top of the hill. And at this point, she couldn't hear or see anything beyond that. So she's just sitting there terrified and waiting and just wondering what is going on. And after a little while, she sees the man come back down the hill by himself And he came over to her side of the door and opened it and yelled at her to get out of the car. And at this point, Brandy had had enough. So she yelled back, you're an idiot. You made her tie my hands to the steering wheel so I can't get out of the car. (laughs) God. (laughs) This is, this is such an uncomfortable, this is like not a funny situation, but that's some moxie. I know. It's like, (laughs) goddamn. That's like, you really did have enough at that point. You dumb fuck. I have my hands tied to the steering wheel. Yeah. Also, just to point out, if you hear little screams in the background, it's that baby from who lives above us. Who lives above us. We've mentioned this baby in previous episodes, but if you hear it, that's what it is. Anyway, we're not hiding someone in our closet. What are you talking <laughs> about? I'm joking. Um, so she yells at him and she said... After she yelled at him, he really quickly slashed the shoelaces that were on, you know, tied to the steering wheel that tied her hands, and they came undone, and she said that up until that moment, it hadn't even occurred to her that he had had a knife. So she's like, okay, he's got a gun, he's got a knife, and I don't know where Liz is, and this is really, really terrifying. So he pulled her out of the car, and he started walking her up the hill, and Brandy is thinking to herself, this is it this is the end. You know, she's thinking about all the people in her life. Would they be able to find their bodies? Would they even know what happened? Would they be angry with them? She, everything is just going through her head, like her, her final thoughts. You know what I mean? Would they be angry with her? Yeah. That, that hit me too. When she said that, because I was like, wow, I don't know. I just don't know what to say about it. It's just like, I get what, I get why she would Mm think, would think that. But it's like, they just want you home safe. They have, they do not give a shit. Yeah. Like at this point, it's like, yes, you made a mistake, but you're human and humans make mistakes and we just want you safe, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, but anyway, so 
when they get to the top of the hill, there was this field. And he led her, you know, a little bit into this field and then to the right. And Brandy started to look to the left, but he grabbed her face and forced it to the right, kind of to show her something. And she saw what she described as a mound that was just on the ground, but she didn't really put together in that moment what she was actually looking at. It didn't occur to her until later that he had killed Liz and it was her body that was on the ground in front of her. He had slit Liz's throat and stabbed her in the back of her head and neck, which is just so terrible. Oof. And I can't even imagine what her last moments were like. I, it's just, it's so sad. The man just stood there for a moment, kind of waiting to see Brandy's reaction. And he just smoked a cigarette and didn't speak to Brandy. So after about two or three minutes, he started to lead her back down the hill toward the car. He just wanted to show her that he had killed her friend. But luckily for Brandy, that didn't register, which honestly probably saved her life because she didn't freak out or do anything irrational. So he put her back into the car and he got into the driver's side behind the wheel. And in the car, he made Brandy take off her shoes and her socks and he put her socks on his hands before he touched the wheel, I guess, to, you know, stop any fingerprints. And as soon as he started driving, he looked at Brandy and very matter-of-factly said, I killed your friend. And she didn't react. She just looked out the window and she didn't cry or yell or do anything. She was just in complete shock. And after a moment, he told her that he just wanted to see her reaction. And he wanted to see if she would break down or cry. But then he said, since you didn't react how I thought you would, I'll tell you the truth. I really just let her go. I gave her the directions to go back to town and she went back on her way. Why? Why would he say that? I just don't get it. Maybe for fear, you know, because, because, okay. So the, her next thought was, thank goodness Liz is okay, but oh my God, why am I still here? Right. So um, it's, yeah. So it's, it could be like, okay, I didn't want her. I want you kind of thing. Oh, okay. You know, because he was at this point, he just wanted a reaction out of her, you know, like he brought her up to see Liz's body because he wanted a reaction. And when he didn't get that, he brought her back to the car and he told her that he killed her and he didn't get a reaction. So he told her that he didn't kill her to get a reaction. Yeah. And I feel like I would be a mess at this point. I mean, any, I would be done. I feel like it's 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 fair to say that any normal person would be a mess at this point, but thankfully, Brandy's brain she didn't perceive didn't, it. He didn't let her register what was going on, so yeah. it's incredible that that. Does she react to this? Not really. I mean, she kind of because what what can she do? You know, she's just thinking to herself like, okay, thank God Liz is okay, but now what does that mean for me? I, I don't know if you have this detail, but is she in the back seat or the passenger? She's in the passenger seat. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm thinking, like, can you, like, jump out? I don't know. I feel like that's your only option at this point. Yeah, but even if you jump out, he could just stop the car, you know? he's You're in a secluded area. It's not like if you jump out of the car, someone will stop and save you. There's no one around. I don't know. Yeah, no, I get I get it. I there's get where you're coming from, but it's like, there's, there's no great option right now. It's just, you just gotta do what you can to survive. And at this point, it's around midnight or one in the morning. And back at Brandy's apartment, her roommate actually notices that she and Liz aren't there. But 
honestly, she didn't think much of it because, you know, the girls or Brandy was graduating soon. They didn't have any curfew or anyone to answer to because it was just, you know, a bunch of girls living in the house. So it's not like they're policing where Brandy is at any given moment. Mm -hmm. So she didn't do anything about it. She just noticed they were gone. She's like, okay, going to go back to sleep now, you know, which sucks, but... But uh, nothing happened in that town ever, so it's not like she's like, oh, something bad's happening. It was just like, okay, maybe she stayed at her her mother's house tonight, or maybe they went to Liz's house. Right. You know? uh, I can't imagine the survivor guilt. Yeah. So he drives Brandy to a deserted, secluded railroad on a riverbank. To a, the woods, there's a railroad, so they're going to walk along the railroad. And it was very dark, obviously. And after they got out of the car, he led her along these railroad tracks. And, you know, there was really nothing around them but, like, some woods and the railroad, and then there was a river, uh, but that's it. Um, But as soon as they got to a rail bridge, he asked her, how badly do you want to live? And Brandy said, more than anything. And that's when he said, okay, now strip. And she hesitated because, obviously, she didn't want to do that. But he said, if you want to live, you are going to listen to every word that I say. And... That's when he attempted to rape her, but he failed, which I think started this real escalation in Matthew's anger. And after that, he threw her clothes back at her and he told her to get dressed. And she quickly got dressed. And meanwhile, he's back on the railroad track smoking another cigarette. And, you know, after the cigarette, he starts to lead her further down the railroad tracks. And Brandy was carrying this bag full of beer for him. I don't really know. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. And Brandy didn't have her shoes or her socks on at this point, And she's, you know, walking through like woods and railroad tracks and whatever. And she kind of complained that the ground was hurting her feet a bit. And in a weird kind of like act of kindness, I guess he took off his shoes and gave them to her. What? Yeah. This is so strange. And I've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. but it is so perplexing yeah. what these evil people will do for like these little acts of kindness it's weird it's like okay i'm gonna murder somebody but also and terrorize the other and terrorize the other but like also here's take my, my shoes. shoes here's yeah. my coat like what what are we doing it's it's just you, you kind of wonder what the motivation is there yeah you i know? know it's like your conscience like coming through at weird moments I guess. Or, yeah, I don't know. I just, I truly can't wrap my head around what the motivation behind that was for him. You know, because he's trying to terrorize her in any given moment, but also he's giving her his shoes. I don't know. And this was confusing for Brandy because she really didn't know what was going on at this point, just like, just like us. And she had no idea what to expect. So, you know, it, it made her feet not hurt, but at the same time, she's like, what is he going to do to me? You know, like, what is going to happen next? And so they continue walking, and finally they get to this trestle, which I didn't know what that was, but basically it's like a platform with a railing around it, and it's kind of like a little bridge above a river. It's like a railroad bridge. So he, they're on this platform, and he told her to kneel down and, you know, just face the river. And then he started talking to her and asking her questions and he asked her about her friends if she had a boyfriend you know if she's planning on going to college like just random weird questions 
she talked to him about, you know, whatever at that point, because she figured that if she could keep up this friendly conversation, it might help him to see her as a person. Yep. Humanize yourself. Yeah, exactly. Which is very smart. That's a a super like good survival instinct, but that wasn't really going to help her at this point, but she didn't know that obviously. And so the conversation dies down and suddenly Matthew starts to strangle Brandy from behind with her own shoelaces. And at this point, all Brandy knew was that she couldn't breathe. She didn't really understand in that moment what was going on. She just knew that there was no air coming into her into her lungs, you know? And that's when she blacked out. When she regained consciousness, she saw that her attacker was still behind her, but he hadn't realized that she had woken up at this point. So she closed her eyes and she held her breath as much as she could because she didn't want him to see her breathing because she wanted him to think that she was dead and hopefully just leave her there, which again is a very smart survival instinct. But that's when he started punching her and kicking her back really hard to see if she was still alive. And, you know, she, she took a couple blows without like really flinching, but at some point he kicked her so hard in the back that she gasped and her eyes flew open. And that's when he straddled her and tried to twist her head around to snap her neck, which is just, that's terrifying. He tried to snap her neck three times. And when that didn't work, he got really angry and he was just basically at this point furious that he couldn't kill her. So now Brandy was barely conscious and bleeding profusely, and he started throwing her body up against the railing and banging her head up against it. But when that didn't work, he tried throwing her off the platform into the river. He pushed her over the side, but in the fall, Brandy's foot got caught in a gap between two boards. And so she's just kind of dangling. She's hanging on by a foot. But literally, because her foot got stuck in between the two boards. And so she's hanging headfirst over a river on a bridge. And so this whole time, his anger just kept elevating and making things worse. And so he finally got her loose and she fell headfirst into the river. But thankfully for Brandy, it had been raining a lot and the water levels in the river were much higher than they usually were. Oh my God. So she didn't hit her head on a rock and die from that, thankfully, because it was raining. This is like the universe coming together. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the luckiest of the unlucky. Yeah. Or just lucky enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So when she resurfaced, she left her face in the water and let her body float with the current. That way she looked dead again. And thankfully she was able to hold her breath long enough that the current was able to carry her underneath the bridge. That way she was out of his sight. There were these logs that were tangled up underneath the bridge that she was able to grab onto and kind of anchor herself in the water. And she was trying so hard to be as quiet as possible because she knew that he was directly above her and she could hear him walking and cursing and and she could even see the light from his cigarette. So that's how close he was, you know? So she knew that if she did anything like too quickly, he would hear it and he would know that she was alive and he would probably try to come kill her again. But she also knew that if she stayed in the river that she could freeze. So she was able to quietly pull herself out of the water and onto the log. And she just laid there and watched him right above her. 
And he's pacing back and forth. He's talking to himself. And at this point, he's right above her. And so she's just watching his shadow and holding her breath. And after about an hour, she sees his shadow finally walk away. And she's hoping that he's finally gone. And, you know, she doesn't want to do anything too prematurely. So she gives it a minute and then quietly lowers herself back into the water to swim to shore. And she said it wasn't very far, but it felt like it took her forever to get to the other side. And right as she was about to reach the shore, she starts to panic because now she's thinking, what if I swam to the wrong side? What if he didn't leave? What if he's just up there waiting for me? And so she quietly peeked her head up and looked in every direction. And as soon as she saw that the coast was clear, she just took off running. And so now she's, you know, running through these woods, not knowing where she is, not knowing if her attacker was still in the area waiting for her. But soon she heard the car, the sound of a car, and she knew that she was close to a road. But this was still scary because it could mean rescue or it could mean that it was her attacker that was driving by, you know? Right. But, you know, she made it to the road and she saw a few cars, but each of them passed her. It turned out that there was a bar not too far from where she had come out of the river, and every car that passed her must have just assumed that she was some drunken woman walking home from the bar. Oh my god. Which makes sense, but also, god, cut her a break, damn it, you know? Please, somebody. Yeah. But also, you gotta think about, like, how brave it is to, like, flag down a car. Not only is it, like okay, that could be my attacker, but also it could be like, okay, I just let this stranger into my car and he pulled a gun on me and killed my friend and almost killed me. And now I'm going to get into another stranger's car. Yeah, now I'm going to go trust another stranger. Right. So it's terrifying, but you know, she is so brave. And yeah, I know. But like, what are your options? Right, exactly. What can you do? You kind of have to. Right. And also, what are the fucking chances that there would be two? (laughs) Yeah. That's true. And the same night in the same town. That's true. It's good small town. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, even a good small town has crazies, obviously. I, mean, I know, but... Yeah. But, um, so after a little while, a truck finally did pull up to her. And as soon as someone pulled up for her, she said that her heart lifted because she knew that this nightmare was finally over. And she was right. The man that pulled over was an off-duty police officer. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. She said he took care of her and even stayed with her at the police station so that she would have someone. And after that, she was brought to the hospital where she was reunited with her family. And Brandy was able to give police a really good idea of where, you know, this entire event had taken place and where they should start searching for Liz because she paid attention to where he was directing her to drive. Like, she looked at the, the street signs and she you know, noticed all of it. That's when they started the search for Liz and it didn't take very long for them to locate her body. Brandy had also been a huge help to the police in finding who did this. She immediately gave them a ton of extremely helpful information and a very good description of what he looked like, which led to a very accurate sketch that was drawn up. Walter Wilson of the Tuscrawas, our sheriff's office, I almost forgot how to say it, said that he had never been a part of a case where immediately after a person had been through such trauma, were they able to be so as helpful as she was? And he said that she was incredibly strong and he would never forget that. Yeah. What a unique person Brandy is because 
she like has like her brain weirdly compartmentalized what she needed to know in the moment mm-hmm. and remembered everything and then was able to just spit it right back out. Yeah, that's true. That's and a good point. She, like, oh my God. Yeah. Wow. I know. Um, and after only a few hours of the sketch that when it had been circulating, there was a huge break in the case because a woman named Sheila Davis came into the station and informed investigators that it was her son who was the man that did this crime. Wow. That's a, that takes a lot from Sheila. Yes. To turn in her own son. Yeah. So it was absolutely the right thing to do. Right. So after this crime and after him leaving the scene, he realized that he had left the blade that he had used to kill Liz at the murder site. So he decided it would be a great idea to bring a relative with him to look for the murder weapon. And this relative went straight to Matthew's mother and told him what her son had done. And told him? Told, told her? Told Sheila. Who's, who's the relative? I don't know. It's just, it just said a relative. I'm assuming like a cousin. What I, I don't fuck? know. A brother. Where is the logic in this? I don't know. Also, like, why did you go to his mom and not the police? I don't know. I guess he was like... Maybe this was a younger relative? I don't know. This just seems like my first thing would be like, we're calling the cops, dude. Right, right. I mean, I guess it's like you're you're put in this impossible situation and you're like, I gotta call someone. I don't know what I'm freaking out. I'm not blaming Like, obviously it all washed out. But like, yeah, I... (laughs) I'm going to go tell your mommy. On. Right. Like, I'm going to tell seems, your mommy. It's such a <laughs> Yeah. And also contrast. What a stupid thing for Matthew to like put a lot of trust in this relative, you know, for yeah. him to be like this. He'll be cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be cool that I be cool. Like, yeah. it's like, hey, man, be cool. Be cool. It's like I killed children, but like, but, I'm a good guy. But, but be cool. Yeah. I have kids. I kill children, but I would never kill a child. You know, I'm not that guy. (laughs) So anyway, Sheila also knew of her son's criminal history, which at that point was pretty extensive. And I believe he also was on parole at this point. And he obviously had broken his parole by murdering someone. Um, It's not funny. Uh, But Matthew did have children. It wasn't just a story that he made up. So you know, for the past couple of days, his mother was watching his children and she knew that by turning him in, it would have meant that his children would have been taken away from him forever. And so I'm sure it wasn't easy for her to turn her son in, but at the same time, she was protecting his children and also he killed a child himself. So it's like this person does not deserve to be near children, nor should he ever be in the care of... like you know responsible for caring for children ever again right yeah you need to protect your grandchildren first i can't wow what a decision i know that you have to go through does he have a wife at this point that's in the picture or no i don't think he had a wife i honestly don't know i mean who would who would stay with a man like that not me clearly he's not a good guy no so i I hope he didn't have a wife (laughs) you know yeah but i don't know exactly um but anyway so But anyway, kudos to Sheila Davis because she turned in her son and that is huge. So she told the police that they could find him at Lake Park, which was a campground and I think an RV park. And it was just about 40 minutes southwest of New Philadelphia. And when the police found him, he had blood all over his shirt and pants. Still. We didn't think to change. (laughs) I guess. I mean, I... I can't... We can't expect much. Right. From somebody who brings a relative to the murder scene. Yeah. 
I mean, I think this all happened like fairly quickly, so I don't know that he necessarily had enough time to change, but you think that would be a pretty high priority on the list, no? Probably. Probably. But what do I know? Um, so, but when they asked Brandy if she had seen the blood, she said no, she didn't notice. She didn't see the blood. No. She said that if she had let herself really see what had happened at the top of that hill, she would have broken down and she believed that she wouldn't have survived either. So her brain really did some incredible shit that day. Wow. It was like, hey, we're not going to see a body. We're not going to believe him when he says he kills her. We're not going to see the blood. We're just going to focus on nothing. But also, at the same time, we're going to focus on the important stuff and then help please find the man who did this. Weird. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, this is... I like the... um, Was it the detective that says, like, she really just like i don't know perceived only what was needed yeah. and pushed everything else out yeah she went through an incredible trauma yeah. and yet she was still so helpful yeah which is incredible um and that night they brought him in for his statement and so he wrote in his statement that he wished that he wouldn't have done it and that he would have been in the place of the girls instead like he wished it would have been him instead and to that, I say, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like. We wish it was we too. We also wish that, Matthew. What the fuck? I don't believe that. No, Nobody buys course, that. Of course not. And Nobody so, buys and that. Actually, the same, the same guy from the sheriff's office who said that Brandy was so strong also commented on this portion where about the statement. He's like, that is simply not true. He is a liar and I hate him. Like, I mean, he didn't say he hated him. Did he write that down on the notes? I, I don't know. But he was like, that's not true. And he's just a shithead. And I was like, yep, that's true. That's also. Like, well. I believe that. Anyway, we know he's a bad guy, obviously. So in court, Brandy was able to face Vaca again. And she was able to tell him about how wonderful of a person Liz was. And also, his criminal history came out in court as well, and it it included charges of threatening to kill his stepfather, theft, alcohol, drug abuse, and forgery. The judge also read recent allegations from Vaca's wife, I guess he did have a wife, Lisa, that he had threatened her with a knife and a shotgun, and told friends that listening to music by rock bands Marilyn Manson and Insane Clown Posse inspired him to fantasize about raping and killing someone. Okay. So let's unpack, (laughs) shall we? Wow. Like, so there was a wife. Yeah. And she was probably scared shitless. Yes, he threatened her with a knife and a shotgun. Yeah. I mean, either would have been sufficient for terror. Yes. But both is... Worse. Plenty. Yeah. And then what was the second part? He told a friend that he was inspired by Marilyn Manson oh, and Clown Oh, it's the band's fault. Clown. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, fuck you. Right, you would have yeah. done it anyway. You know that. Yes, Something else would have triggered this in you. Exactly. I mean, people can listen to music that is like that and still not murder someone. It's incredibly Crazy. common. It's so incredibly common. Yep. So... Anyway, Brandy requested that the prosecution not seek the death penalty, and County Prosecutor Amanda Spies Bornhorst, Bornhorst, yeah, that's what it is, agreed not to seek the death penalty if Vaca pled guilty to all charges, which included aggravated murder, aggravated, or attempted aggravated murder, aggravated robbery, kidnapping, and rape. This prosecutor also said the death penalty does not provide the swift justice that it was intended to. Which I agree, you know? I mean, obviously, it's not like you go on death row and then you're immediately, like, killed. But at the same time, like, let him rot. 
you know? Yeah. Like, I think that living the rest of your life in jail is probably a worse punishment than ending it. Plus, he has to go through a bunch of appeals. Mm-hmm. And I think that they would have to rehash this yeah. multiple times. And Brandy does not need that. Well, that's also something that was brought up was for the court to seek the death penalty, there would have been a bunch of appeals or, you know, a bunch of different court cases that not only Brandy would have had to attend, but also Liz's family. And they yeah, just didn't been through want, enough. Yeah, it just wasn't necessary. Like, he can rot forever. And so Judge Edward Emmett O'Farrell imposed the maximum sentence of 96 and a half years on the 11-count conviction in the stabbing death of Liz Reiser and the attack on Brandy Hicks. And at the time of this crime, Matthew was already on probation for another crime. So in a separate hearing, Judge Elizabeth Lehi Tomikos revoked Vaca's probation from his 1996 conviction and sentenced him to 22 and a half years. So the combination of those two led to obviously a very full life sentence. And I know you're smirking because you wanted me to say the combination of the Pizza Hut and the Taco Bell. Not the time. <laughs> but, this is not the time but I for saw, that. I saw the smirk. This is not the time for that right now. Are you going to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> Are you going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Um, yes. In the case of a 22 and 96 and a half year sentence for murder, no, no. probably not. No, no. Listen to me. I'm not saying that it's appropriate. I'm saying, were you thinking it? I was thinking I it. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay. Do they combine? So he has like... Yes. Uh, like 120, yeah, whatever that math is. Yeah, he's got a life sentence. Um, and he will first be eligible for parole in 2096. So we got time, you know? He's got plenty of time to die. Yeah. Also, um, there should be, like, clauses in these sentences where he has to, like, look at pictures of his victims, like, every fucking day. Oh, in prison? Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that he should be reminded what he did every day. Yeah, I mean, for a person who has a conscience or, like, has any sort of remorse, then, yeah, that'd be great. But also, for someone who's like, yeah, I did that, you know? It's not like you want to remind I don't know, it him. sounded like he had some remorse, at least, or at least he faked it. I think he faked it. Probably. I think he's I an evil person. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, if it would make him feel some kind of way, then, yeah, I, I, I hope he would have to do that. But, you know. It's not that cut and dry for a lot How of How old? He was 27. Yeah, at the okay, time. So It was 2000, though. 27 and 2000. I know you like math, so I laid that one out for you. Uh, I will <laughs> spare you with any further calculation. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, so Liz's parents decided that they needed to forgive Vaca for what he had done. And her mother, Becky, said, I chose forgiveness because it freed me from whatever I was going to have to face. It gave me the peace and strength to face forward. And seven weeks after Liz's death, her mother said that God had spoken to her and told her that she needed to write a book. And she did. She wrote, Through My Tears, A Wash in Forgiveness. And she said, I began to realize that forgiveness is ongoing and not something that is finished when the story is over. You have to practice it. Sometimes you have to forgive multiple times. And can we just take a moment? <laughs> because for a mother and also a father to forgive the man who murdered their child is a journey yeah like and a very difficult one i i don't know like i i can't even put myself there like I, I i don't know you know like i don't know that i'd be able to forgive someone who took someone from me yeah and especially a child you yeah. know 
but I mean, she felt like she needed to do that. And I'm sure that writing that book was therapeutic to her. Definitely. Yeah. And as fucked up as that is. Yeah. And I mean, not that every person has to forgive something like that. If you know, something like that happens in your life, but if it did help her to move on or it helped her, her parents to be able to cope and let go, like then that's great. You know, they're very strong people. And I, I, I commend them, you know, Mm -hmm. oof. Um, and since the tragedy, Brandy has moved on and fulfilled her dream of becoming a photographer. She, yeah, she now spends her time with her own family, which includes her husband, Justin and their two daughters. So she is thriving. She's a photographer. She's got a family. Right. Yeah. I love that for for her. I know. Does she have like an Instagram? I don't know if this is too intrusive. <laughs> I don't know. As a photographer, I like weirdly want to promote her photography. Yeah. I don't know if that's wrong. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'm sure you Maybe can we'll just find leave her it. alone. Yeah, leave her let's alone. leave her alone. You can find her if you want. Yeah, let's respect these. I mean, we the thing is, is we tell survival stories and that means the people survive, which means a lot of the time they're still alive. And that's... Well, actually, all of the time, well, no. there's somebody who's still alive. Well, well, the thing is, is, like, obviously, we're gonna, we've talked about stories where it's, you know, back in time, and the person survived the event, but now oh, are dead. That's true. But, that's very true. you know, for a lot of the stories, the people are still alive. So let's respect their privacy and not... Okay, yeah, do I, anything. I see that. Yeah. I'm just thinking in real time here. No, of course. And we... That's cool. We like that. It's a podcast. We chat. Anyway, so... <laughs> Um, with years to reflect on her experiences, Brandy said she's ready to share her story. And she said, I want to make something positive of it. Shortly after it happened, my mom and I were watching TV and we saw this little girl on a talk show sharing her story. It was almost identical to what had happened to me and Liz, and it made me feel better seeing how she could get through it. From that point on, I decided any chance I got, I would show people how to get out of that kind of situation. I want to try to help as many people as possible. Which is so brave. That's real. To like, and selfless. To continually put yourself through the the most traumatic thing that will ever happen to you over and over again just to help someone else is incredible. Yep. And Brandy said she survived because of the love and support of her friends and family as well as her survival instincts that thankfully kicked in. She said the powers of your mind, if you let it do its job, it can do amazing things. Which is true. She proved that is true. And as I was like researching this story, I came across an article that was like really upset about the idea of giving a stranger a ride. And it said, if you're ever tempted to give a stranger a ride because he's giving you a story, I've been on my feet all day. Remind yourself of some facts. If he's able-bodied and lives down the road, he doesn't need any ride. If he appears injured or sick, call him a cab, especially if he has $20. If or, an were, or an ambulance. Or an ambulance. I don't know. For what? It's like, oh, really? You hurt that bad? Let's call 911. Here's a $7,000 fee. Yeah, call right. his bluff. Oh, my God. If you refuse him a ride, what's the worst that could happen to him He's if he's truly harmless? Aching feet? So, bottom line, under no circumstance, give a stranger, including a female, a ride. If she looks pregnant, she could be using pillows. Women, too, can be vicious, which... I also think is like an important yeah, thing to evil mention. Evil knows no gender. Yeah, because the thing is, is like there's so many stories out there where like a, a a bad person or like a bad couple will use a woman as like a disarming 
like factor in their abduction because it, there was a story that I am going to tell at some point, probably soon, where a girl is hitchhiking, which obviously don't hitchhike, but she's hitchhiking and she accepts a ride from a man and a woman because she sees the woman in the car and she sees a car seat in the back of the car. So she's like, oh, a woman, a car seat, good people, you know? But the woman was just as bad as the man. So yeah. And like, there's also like the, that abduction story that you're going to tell, which I don't know. Yep. Also, I've heard of other stories where they will literally kidnap people and keep them for years on end in their home. That is, and it's a husband and wife. That and is it's like, yeah. Holy shit. Well, that's what happens in that like, story. <laughs> how is that your bond? I, I mean, people are fucked up, you know? I know, but like, how do you find that? How do you bring it up? It's just mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, when I like read that thing about like, including a female, don't give her a ride. Like it, it honestly made me a little bit uncomfortable because as a, a, a woman, like I don't want to potentially put another woman in danger if I can help it. But at the same time, like my safety is the most important and also with every ride sharing app that there is out there at this point, like there's no reason why you should put yourself in any kind of danger. Yeah. There's for so anyone. many other solutions yeah. to get where you need to go. Exactly. So, you know, point yeah, being, and there's be like safe. apps that you can like hold your, hold your thumb on the phone. Yeah. And then if you let go, it'll call the cops. Mm-hmm. I have one. They're great. Yeah. Use those. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So anyway, yeah. be safe. <laughs> um, and don't trust nobody. Don't trust nobody. Uh, but anyway, that is the story of Brandy Hicks and Liz Riser. Whew, you know? Yeah. Do you have um do you have a good thing? Wanna lift our spirits a little bit? I can, can start. Go first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my good thing um is that we had a really restful uh vacation and I we saw your family and the the beaches were beautiful. The sand was white and it was like flower. It that, was like flower. That was really nice. Um, but it's imported. Yes, it is imported, uh, which, you know, is cool. I I like it. I'm glad it was there. (laughs) And yeah, that, that's my good thing for sure. My good thing is that I got a new art piece, um, for our bar cart, Mm -hmm. which is like a thing that you pour liquid out of. Yeah. Don't know what to call it exactly, but there's like a, there's a fish inside a glass cylinder. You pour booze in and then you can dispense it out dispense it that's a good word thank you um and i like it it's kind of art yeah it also fulfills the function of holding holding liquid i don't know yeah no (laughs) i was excited about it for sure it's a good thing it's definitely a good thing yeah and then you were you were skeptical at first because you thought that it was a fish light that we were going to hang on our wall yeah some fraternity right and you were not about it exactly and i got mad that you weren't excited (laughs) no so here's here's what (laughs) happened i was told for about a week or two oh you can't i can't wait till you see this art piece you can't like you're not gonna believe what i bought and then his parents are like you like you gotta see what he got it's a crazy thing you would believe that i bought it well yes i believe anyway it doesn't matter (laughs) i was being told that it was like some outrageous thing that i was gonna have to wait to see and so when we get the box and he pulls out you know, this cylinder with a fish in it. At first (laughs) I thought, oh my God, is this a fluorescent light that is going to hang on my wall (laughs) like some frat house in a basement? Like I was like, no, 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 no. And so I was a little bit less than excited about it and you were upset. But when I realized what it actually was, it's cool. It's definitely cool. It's classy for, for, you know, what it is. But like, if it was a fluorescent fish light, I'm sorry, but it would have gone 
in the closet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can admire it in the closet. Yeah. Also, still skeptical that you think it's cool. It's, I, I really like it. I don't know how to make <laughs> you believe me, but I do. I'm just going to keep poking at you. All right. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to keep up with all the pictures that we post about all the cases that we talk about, follow us on Instagram at notoday underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival or really anything crazy that's going on in your life, send us an email at notodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter that is notodaypodcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Follow because us that makes sense. Because that makes sense. Follow us on TikTok at notodaypodcast. And just keep breathing yeah yeah